Hello, NetWomen Uncut. My name is Pinky Gadiali, founder and CEO of NetWomen, where we inspire, support, and include women from all over the world to get to the top. Our mission is the 50-50 gender splits and to close the gender and ethnicity gap, create equity, celebrate equality. I'm also the CEO and founder of Mindset by Pinky, where I help people overcome imposter syndrome and limiting beliefs through NLP and hypnosis to break the glass ceiling. You can book your discovery call with me by following the link at the end. Every month, we'll be bringing you our latest updates from NetWomen and our community. We will be chatting about stories we found particularly newsworthy and giving our opinions on them. With a variety of speakers joining me each month from the NetWomen community and having those conversations we don't normally talk about. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Laura Bosworth, who is uh, a Net Women Director for Financial Services. Hi, Laura. Fantastic Hi. to you on our podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Thank you. It's so fun working with people that I am inspired by every single day. And every time we have conversations, I always find that I learn something new. So I am delighted to have you on. Thank you. Hopefully I will teach you something new again. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us, tell the audience uh, how you got to where you are today in 30 seconds or less. Go. Wow. Um, so probably an unconscious <laughs> um, trip through financial services and finally finding something that I enjoyed doing, which was um, matching people up with their dream jobs, um, but also making my clients particularly happy with uh, some new and exciting talent in their teams. Amazing. So pretty good, pretty like good synopsis, synopsis there. <laughs> seconds. Um, yeah. So tell me how your journey started in financial services. Why financial services? So a long time ago, when I was at school, um, I actually graduated, I guess, um, sixth year and had a place at Edinburgh University and thought, I can't, I don't really want to be a student at the moment. I just felt like there was nothing. I wanted to study um, effectively geography. I love geography at, at high school and I thought, right, I'll go and study geography and then I'll probably become some sort of meteorologist. I was obsessed by weather and I was pro I probably wanted to be a storm chaser, if I'm honest. I've watched Twister one too many times. Um, but I'd actually, during sixth year, I'd got involved in um, a couple of things that Standard Life would, were running in my, my high school. And I ended up applying for their modern apprenticeship programme and got in and I was really lucky I guess not lucky obviously I've, I made the cut but um, it was a great program and it meant that I could work in various different areas across the company um, this was back when modern apprenticeships were were quite I guess everybody was doing them there was a lot of money in financial services there was opportunities and it felt like something I was kind of I would, I would enjoy for a year so I deferred university for a year and went to work at Standard Life and absolutely loved it I really enjoyed working I was learning stuff I was doing an MBQ um, I made the mistake of buying my first car and then um, I think it was my mum that actually sat me down and said you do realize that it's not like a you can't just leave your car in the street when you decide to go to university you have to keep paying for it 
So um, at that point, I made the decision to um, forego my place at university and um, just stay at Standard Life. So I had seven very happy years um, at Standard Life, worked in various departments um, across Standard Life Assurance and Standard Life Bank and a, a, a bit of time at Standard Life Investments as well. Um, and one of the things whilst I was there that really irked me was every job that I've seen advertised internally um, the first thing on the list of essential criteria was um, a degree and obviously I had foregone my degree and decided to stay at Standard Life and, and not study and I thought oh I've really messed up because it means I can't move um, I'm going to be at this sort of level forever and I decided to then do a part-time degree on animal biology um, whilst I was working. So I was very lucky to be granted a four day week at Standard Life doing compressed hours. And I spent a Tuesday at university doing um, animal biology. So that degree has been probably more useful than anything else I've done in my life. <laughs> um, and weirdly enough, during it, I then got involved in talking to a few different people because at the time I was working quite closely with HR. And they were telling me, you know, actually, you don't need a degree to put yourself forward for jobs. You could have just went for it, which was a bit late in the in the day. But um, and then it got me to thinking about recruitment and the way in which we recruited at Standard Life. And to be honest, I kind of thought there must be a better way because we were getting lots of people that weren't interested in their job. They weren't right for the company. And I spent so much time um, doing I was sort of resource planning at the time and I could see people coming in and, and I would literally say they're going to last six weeks. They're going to last three months, you know, like and nine times out of 10, I was right. Um, probably the animal biology degree helping me there. But it made me more interested in, and I guess inquisitive about what makes people tick. And I then got involved in doing some interviewing and eventually thought, I know how much we're paying these recruitment companies. I could do a better job. So effectively, I went out and one day at lunchtime passed a, a recruitment company that wasn't that far away and kind of asked if they had any jobs going and, and moved um so it was a bit of a leap of faith um because I thought I could do better and it didn't I was doing okay at that one but it wasn't the right place for me so I think I moved quite quickly within nine months to change recruitment group and I was there for a very happy 10 years um eventually managing the standard life account of all things but I think over that time, I predominantly recruited into financial services. I got to learn about different areas of financial services that I hadn't worked in personally. And I got to understand what goes on in that sector um, across the good, the bad and the ugly, really. Um, and, and speaking with people that are working in the sector unhappily and speaking with people that are very happy or are um, keen to move onwards and upwards all kind of it's just a job for people that are interested in people and I think that's really where I've learned so much and and subsequently obviously started my own consultancy and I focus very heavily on inclusion diversity and probably most importantly equity and it's something that I see missing in spades within the the sector so it's it is one of those things that kind of come full, full circle to from being in the sector and then sort of being outside the sector and now I'm working in partnership with the sector so really interesting yeah 
and and the stuff that you said around recruitment and hiring and hiring inclusively what would you say was the biggest challenge when you worked with standard life in that space so I think it's it's very it's difficult you can't make people exist that don't exist so a few years back there was a real push across all financial services so not just standard life um, but really to almost have quotas when it comes to hiring and and I think I remember very vividly working with a big retail bank on a very senior position and they were looking for someone to be a program director but that program director had to have actuarial experience now um whether or not you know any actuaries the chances are most of them are men um so to find someone that is working at that level that was female for example that particular bank at the time demanded 30 percent of the shortlist had to be female and if you couldn't find a female to um meet with those requirements we had to write a big business case etc so I genuinely at that time had a conversation with the hiring manager and said, why do you need to hire at this level? Why can't we hire two people at a lower level and and pin your hopes on one of them becoming or working quite quickly to, towards this level? And it was the first time that I think I'd ever really consulted with someone. I think I've always sort of taken job orders and filled them and that was that. And I just thought there's opportunity here, but this part this inclusion part is going to take some work because people just don't like to think I hate the, I hate the phrase outside the box but they really don't they they kind of like to fill a square hole with a square peg um and what I have found is so many people they just hire in their own likeness it's biology it's animal biology at the end of the day you want you are drawn to someone that reminds you of yourself and and we can't stop that. So that unconscious bias combined with a lack of skilled females, for example, in that area, it meant I had to really think about finding a solution. And I think that's what recruitment is. It's, it's having a problem and finding a solution. Um, so I think it is really, from that point of view, inclusion across financial services is tricky because it's predominantly well, has been uh, a male dominated industry, particularly the upper echelons. We just need to look at um, the executive boards um, of and the C-suite of the majority of the companies. You can see exactly what they've done and you see the same female names coming up again and again because they've, they've pushed themselves and broke through that glass ceiling. But unfortunately, they're having to do it for quite a few different companies. Yeah. Did you find challenges when you were within um, financial services, when you were working for that? When I was working there? Um, yes and no. I think because of my personality, I don't tend to shirk away from opportunity. I am a yes person, as you know. I am quite more often than not, I'll say, yeah, I'll try that and then worry about the consequences later. Um, I think... I am in the minority though. Like I do genuinely think I never saw problems that, for example, I, I saw on all the role profiles that um you needed a degree. You needed to be degree qualified. And I took that at face value and went out and got a degree. So I think there's not not everybody would do that. And and obviously a sensible person probably would have questioned it and, and realized that you don't need a degree. Um however 
I did see lots of, I never saw any role models, put it that way. There were a few department managers that were female. There were a few people that I thought were breaking the mould, but the majority of the senior management team at that time were white males, um, mid-50s, etc. So I could see the problem. I just didn't necessarily want to be a part of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's interesting. So was that your point of leaving when you were just like, that's, I'm done? No, and that wasn't, genuinely wasn't part of me leaving. I just wanted to do something I was interested in. And at that time, I couldn't see a future in, for me in financial services. I I think my options at that time were very much continuing down the sort of analysis route or working in the HR sort of division. And that has never appealed to me I take my hat off to anybody in HR because basically you're just dealing with unhappy people or people that are leaving or people that are joining um and it, it has always been for me it's it's an area it's much like teaching to be honest I would never be a teacher either can't can't deal with children um and I just think of HR as it's almost dealing with people when they're at their most childish something's went wrong or they've done something wrong or whatnot so that didn't appeal to me. Um, but the recruitment part, even although it sits under HR most times, I actually think it's a more strategic, it, it, it should be higher up in people's minds in terms of its importance within an organisation because you are effectively the face of the organisation, you're the brand of that employer um, and you're going out and, and effectively attracting the best talent on the market. Um, so whether you're working in-house or in an external agency, it's such an important job. And don't get me wrong, we do get paid well for it, but if you're really good, you're worth your weight in gold because you're actually the spokesperson for that organization. You're gonna attract the right people and you're gonna to get to know where the, the holes are in terms of their skills, um, their diversity at the end of the day as well. I mean, it's one of the most important questions I'll ask a client is, how do you feel about diversity within your organization? And nine times out of 10, they've never thought about it, um, which is telling <laughs> to say the least. What would you say? So you do this the side of obviously hiring diversely and inclusively. And then when they go into an organization that isn't particularly diverse or inclusive, what would you say to organizations who have got this issue? What what would your advice be to them as they come to you with this issue of we're not diverse, we're not, you know, we don't have people of color, of disability, LGBTQ+, neurodiversity, et cetera, et cetera. What, what's your advice? It's all about education. So for me and and one of the the parts of my business that is relatively new is that inclusion coaching part and then another reason I, I started with net women as well is i see a massive um mismatch in terms of what's happening and what they're doing about it um there's lots and lots of talk about yeah we're diverse yeah we're this you see lots of pride flags in june you see lots of talk about International Women's Day for example and they'll talk about what they've done for International Women's Day and and then actually that's just one day um so they talk about it and then nothing else is said so whether it be for that week that month that day 
and then nothing else is said and for me financial services is about constant education because you you need to be aware of regulations you need to be aware of um what's happening across the markets etc but they put they don't prioritize inclusion they don't prioritize diversity and you've got people as you say if you're bringing someone into an organization that is different from everyone else in the organization if the organization's not set up to be successful with bringing that person in and feeling included I mean it's literally like teaching kindergartners how to play nice and how to welcome a new person into the class um if you don't teach them how to do it they'll they'll not be able to do it because everybody's so worried about saying the wrong thing that they say nothing and then that person feels excluded and then within six months generally that person's left or is definitely not um working productively or working to their best um of their abilities um so yeah I think it it is about coaching it's about education but it's about showing people how to play nice um and and how to invite someone for a coffee or not have the cliques that you get in offices I mean less so now obviously post-covid you've got a lot more people working from home which can be even more isolating um so how do you go about making them feel part of the team if the team's not together yeah I absolutely agree with you on that and I think as well you know net women has its place where we help achieve those goals and one of the things about fostering inclusivity is about having those conversations that you would have in a playground, you know? Um, I always talk about it very much so in our interactive, interactive sessions that if you saw somebody standing there on their own in a playground, as a human being, as a child in the playground, would you not want to go and invite them to play? Yeah. And this is the difference between exclusive and inclusive and it's as simple as that it's it's involving people in the conversation but also inviting them but then also asking them to give their opinion give their values their thoughts um and I think that's really important especially when it comes to people that are sitting at board level and they're afraid to say what they want to say because yeah they don't feel like they're going to be heard they get, they might think or oh, i feel like i'm going to be judged you know i've got something valuable to say but i'm not sure if i should say it or not that's happened to me several times it, when i was younger and i just used to just hold myself back and i would be a real kind of listener but at the same time i wouldn't share my thinking my voice because i'd be the only one or the other yeah. What would you say to people who, like me, maybe a person of colour or someone that's slightly different in the way that they're, you know, they're perceived, what what would your advice be to them if they're at board level and had to say something? Yeah, and, and the thing is, I think it is it's really important that everybody at board level has a voice. And if you've got people sitting around that boardroom table and somebody isn't interacting or they're not speaking their truth or bringing what they have to the table, then someone's going to notice that. Do you know what I mean? And someone needs to invite that person to speak. But at the same time, I think there is also 
as um as any minority they have a a duty i guess to speak up because um they are speaking on behalf of a lot more than than themselves um they're bringing their experience their lived experience their um whether it be their social background or their business background or their education background i think it's really important that they can bring themselves to that that party and and have a have a chat and have a have a say in what's being said around that table it is difficult to um put yourself or put yourself out your comfort zone or say something and you think oh god I'm gonna sound really stupid but I can guarantee you're not the only person thinking that around the table um nine times out of ten I am that person I'll I'll say well I don't understand or why would we do it this way or that just sounds ridiculous and this is the reasons I fit and I think as long as you've got you, you're not just saying something and stopping. You have to really back it up and you have to explain what you're saying. Um, but everything you say is valid. I mean, everybody's opinion is valid and that's why people are invited to be on boards. They're invited to be part of leadership teams because their opinion is valid and they're bringing something to the party. Um, and, and whether that be the chips, the salsa, the tequila, um, obviously that party is going to be much much more fun than a boardroom um but i think it is really important to to bring what you can and um and also learn listen and and think about how other people are speaking and find a way to to use your own voice but in a way that's um honest and and genuine for you love it really great advice why did you join that women why not? Uh, <laughs> I think, to be honest, it's one of those things that I know I can change the world myself. I'm very aware of that. But I think on mass we can. And I think what we are seeing now is there's a real opportunity. And I think it's um, it's been coming. It's been in the post for quite some time. But I think people are realising that unless 50% of the planet stand up and demand to be counted, we're never going to have our our seat at the table um and I think women have now got to the stage where they're thinking you know what I am valid I what I say does matter and as I say we we take up more than 50% of the planet so I think it is really important um but I it's a crusade that you can really do alone and I think joining a group of like-minded people working on various different sectors but it's essentially the same problem we're not going to find a solution overnight, but I think together we will find lots of ways of um, getting closer to that solution and um, communicating the solution. Plus, it's always good to have people to bounce ideas off. I know having worked on my own for a couple of years now, I think it is, it's nice to have people that kind of, I can go to and say, I've got this problem. I don't know what to do. This client is, um, they're struggling with X, Y, Z, what are your thoughts, ideas? Um, because I think everybody's got the answers. It's the first thing I say to my clients. The answers are within the businesses. The answers are within our clients. It's just we need to be the ones to sort of eke them out and find them. Yeah, absolutely. And then with the financial services, obviously there's lots of people that are going to be listening in on this um, that are from financial, financial services. What would you say to them? Because a lot of them are in very much that situation that you're talking about where the upper levels of leadership are pale male and stale how do how how do they change it because they're probably thinking oh it's too much I can't do this this is just too difficult we're just going to keep it as it is and we're just going to do what we've always done what what's your advice I 
must admit I've had a few mentors in my time um, each of them have been not that I would call them to their face pale male and stale and they can be the best advocates they can be the best cheerleaders and give the best advice um, but also I think you need to find the right ones for you I think it is really important not to go and get a mentor or a sponsor that you think would do do your sort of career good in the long run. I think that's the wrong thing to do. You need to find somebody that gets you. And usually that'll happen because they'll have a similar sense of humor. Comes back to that animal biology thing. Again, they'll have a similar sense of humor or they'll share similar taste in music, that type of thing. And they, so the, you need to be able to sort of get them on one level or another. Um, but I think getting a sponsor within a business or finding a really strong mentor is the best way to understand how to break in. And what I would say is at the end of the day, they're just people. Um, they are just humans. They, there's nothing. I mean, it, it's tricky sometimes. You navigate, I don't know, chat over beers after work or we've talked about this on the golf course or whatnot. I took up golf because I thought, why not? Um, didn't really do me any any goods in the long run and I'm still a really bad golfer um but I think it is you if you can't beat them join them is probably what I used to think but now I think if I can't beat them ask them how <laughs> how can I get there um and I'll be honest asking for help is one of these things that it, I suppose it's, it's not groundbreaking because everybody does it eventually but you have to find the right time and the right person but I think looking at a lot of my clients, particularly females that are at a senior level within an organization and they've not had a mentor are very, very different to those that have. And, and the ones that have had mentors are more open to change. They're more open to education, but they're more confident. And I think that's what it is. It's confidence, knowing that that person, like that really senior CEO, well, he takes a Friday afternoon off to take his son sailing or his daughter horse riding or whatever you get to know these things that you think actually they're people at the end of the day and they're doing exactly the same type of thing as us it's just we put so much pressure on ourselves to be able to do everything um all the time and I think sometimes you just need to ask for help yeah good point don't be afraid to ask for help yeah you talk a lot about being diagnosed with a condition can you tell the audience a little bit about that and when when that um, happened, what effect that's had on you, your career, your business and, and the changes it's had on you? Yeah, of course. Um, so I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2018, which is already five years ago. Um, but I'd had symptoms of it since I was 20 or probably earlier than that numbness pins and needles um speech slurring although sometimes I used to put that down to tequila um but it wasn't um and I think it's it's been an interesting what some would say journey um <laughs> to diagnosis because it was actually quite nice to get something like this is what you've got sorry <laughs> I need to get upset um because for a long time, I thought I was going absolutely bonkers. Like I literally thought, oh, I'm losing the plot. Um, so to actually get diagnosed in the end was fantastic because it meant I had something. It wasn't great to have this sort of life debilitating illness, but at least I wasn't going crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and getting something like that, and, and for those of you who 
can't see Laura's getting upset. <laughs> um, it's a massive thing. It's a big deal, you know, being being diagnosed with something and you're thinking you're going crazy, but actually there was a reason for it. it yeah, definitely. And I think um, it was actually quite a hard time in my life because it was I knew there was something wrong but I wasn't willing to slow down or accept it or change things um and I think sorry um I think my personality is probably quite like not that I was in denial but I just got on with things and and you know me I mean I literally I'm out horse riding or running or whatever all the time and to actually have to stop and think about how much energy I'm going to have that day and how much I'll need for the rest of the week or I've got this meeting and I need to work around or whatever um so it's quite hard to I guess prioritize myself and my health um and I guess for well for a couple of years I just kind of ignored it and hoped it would go away and then eventually I realized well, I can't I can't ignore it anymore sorry <laughs> um so I will need to slow down this is part of being female and having MS I think um and I think it is one of those interesting turning points in my life and I thought you know what I can actually still work at a high level I don't need to bend over backwards for other people let's just do it for yourself um so there was a sort of I guess a weird um sequence of events happened and it meant that I was moving house and um starting a business and setting up bank accounts literally all in the same day um so that that was quite tiring but since then it's actually been great because it means that I can work when I can. If I'm feeling exhausted, I just take some time off. I've got clients that know um, and they don't care. They're quite happy and they get it. And I think what I've done working with a lot of companies that don't really get disability, they don't understand um, the challenges that, I guess, what else? The problems that arise especially if you've got something that's not obvious so it's hidden and, and meeting me for the first time you wouldn't know that I'm disabled but um I've been lucky because of what I do I've been able to meet lots of people that have very similar challenges to me very different um outlooks on life I was actually at a writing event yesterday and I came out so depressed because I just thought oh all those people are so like down on their luck and that's just the opposite to me I just don't really feel like that but it's a it's an interesting I guess um insight into disability is people not processing it very well or not being open with it. And I think that's the one thing since I started the business that I wanted to be open. Um, I'll have days when like this, where I just like, oh, I feel crap. Um, but then I'll have other days where I'm absolutely fine. And um, I think everybody's like that, disabled or not. I mean, you'll have good days and bad days. Um, and I think it's, it's particularly tricky to explain that to 
to businesses that actually, do you know what, 16% of the world is disabled. Now, the majority of those people, I think it's like a, a staggering amount, 80 odd percent weren't born disabled. Um, so it's something that they have to factor in that potentially 16 to 20% of their workforce will have a disability at some stage. Um, so yeah, so the more I can do for businesses to help them understand that, to help them prepare for that, to help, I guess, other people that are trying to figure out what to do with their life, then yeah, it's it's a good opportunity for me. Love it. And, you know, I I applaud anyone who struggles with a condition that's hidden and does amazing things that you do. So thank you. I really appreciate all the stuff that you do, not only for net women, but all the other things that you're doing with your business. And, you know, we're all about making a change. We want to make the world a better place. And I think that when, like you said earlier, and to your point about, we can't do this alone. We have to, we have to do this together. When we collaborate and do this together, it makes it so much easier and simpler and and working together just means that we're not all doing it in silos and often I see that where people are constantly working on their own and I often approach them and say do you want to work with us because you know the the more the merrier right we're all on the same mission we all want to create that 50 50 split we want to create that diversity that inclusivity so yeah it's it's a pleasure working with you Laura thank you so much no problem at all and I think it is I mean it's one of these things that everybody's different and everybody's got something that value that they will add and bring to any organization um so it's just all about finding the right ones for you absolutely uh one last question what advice would you give to your younger self oh relax just get on with it like I used to worry about oh I've not done this by this age or I've not done that by that age and actually at at the end of the day it doesn't really matter it all gets done um and I'm very much of the opinion now that's obviously what's for you won't go past you so yeah I think it is just relax and enjoy your life I love that. It's such a Scottish phrase as well. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Thank you, Laura. Um, Fabulous to have you on. If you want to find out more about NetWomen and what Laura does with us, please um, find her on LinkedIn, Laura Bosworth. Thank you so much. So that's our episode done. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate your support. Email us if you'd like to feature or if you have any ideas at all at hello at netwomen.co. That's .co, not co.uk. And you can subscribe to our newsletter or follow sponsor us here with our mission, create equity, celebrate equality. Find us on LinkedIn and Instagram just by searching netwomen. Also head to our website for our latest blogs and updates at netwomen.co and our DEI programs on netwomen.us. You can book a discovery call with me, calendly.com slash netwomen. Thank you for listening. Bye.